Good morning, church. Good to see you here this morning, and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. I uh, want to honor you uh, this today, uh, and we want to say to our visitors, uh, welcome, and uh, if, uh, if you would like, we would encourage you to take one of those cards that you see in front of you and fill that out if you are a first-time guest with us. Uh, and there are two little black boxes there in the back of the auditorium where you can place those. That's just so we can express our appreciation for you being here with us this morning. Uh, today is a special day. It's Mother's Day, of course. And it's a day where we want to ultimately honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, by honoring those special women in our lives who have carried us, who have raised us, and who have shown us the heart of our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus. So take out your Bible with me and turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2. The book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2. That's where we're mainly going to be this morning in 1 Samuel, chapter 2. If you look behind great men of God that have preached God's Word, that have saved souls, that have displayed the kind of faith that, that moves mountains, most often you'll see behind them a mother that's dedicated to prayer. In fact, most of the older men in my life that have influenced me, to, uh, uh, that, that have helped me to become the, men, the man that I am uh, today, had mothers behind them, praying for them, encouraging them, training them, teaching them to walk in the ways of the, of the Lord on their knees every single day, praying that God would work through their children. Uh, a mother's prayer it has the power and potential to shake the foundation of the world for good for generations to come. And, and that's what we see in the book of 1 Samuel at the very beginning. Uh, 1 Samuel is a very pivotal book in the history of uh, salvation in, in the Bible. Uh, sal salvation history, the scheme of redemption here, as we see in the book of 1 Samuel, it takes a major turn, a major plot twist as we're introduced to God's anointed, David the king, whom the Christ will descend from. And I think that it's very interesting that this most pivotal book uh, within uh, the, the Bible, it begins with a humble mother's prayer. In fact, this is, this is very typical. Uh, when you look at the Bible in its entirety, uh, one writer uh, says, the dawn of the great new movements of God repeatedly occurs in women's spaces. You see Sarah and Isaac. You see Rebecca and Jacob. You see Rachel and Joseph. You see Ruth and Obed. You see Elizabeth and John. And of course, you see Mary and Jesus. All significant events in the scheme of redemption that begin with a mother bearing a son that we see within the pages of Scripture. And the same is true within our story this morning. As, be, as God begins here a new phase of salvation history by introducing to us a humble, praying mother who bore the great prophet Samuel. And what we're going to see uh, this morning in the main point of the lesson is, is that when a mother in the 21st century in the here and now reading this grand narrative, when a mother sees Hannah's prayer, as we're going to look at, and makes that prayer 
the song of her heart and the cornerstone of her affections, lives are directed towards the path of righteousness. Souls are molded and shaped into little reflections of heaven here on earth, and human hearts become vessels of God's magnificent glory. All when a mother rejoices in the Lord, when she exalts the Lord, and when she trusts in the Lord with all of her heart. Open up your Bible with me and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Let's look in verse 1 of Hannah's prayer at the beginning of chapter 2. Verse 1, Hannah prays and says, My heart exults in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Hannah begins her great prayer here by expressing the incredible joy that she feels in the Lord. She says, my heart exults in the Lord. Uh, That might not be a word that we use often. Uh, To exult in something means that the very pinnacle of your gladness, the climax of your jubilation, uh, the, the, uh, the, the highest point of your delight is experienced in whatever you're exulting in. And Hannah says that she exults in the Lord. She also says that her horn is exalted in the Lord. And the idea here is that when you see a majestic animal like a deer or an elk that has um, a, um, a massive rack of, of antlers, when it raises its head, you see the majestic beauty of that animal. And that, and that animal is a symbol of strength and beauty. Hannah here, she rejoices because in the Lord, she's like that majestic deer that raises its head. In all, of its, in all of its glory and magnificence, that elk that raises its head. She feels strong. She feels confident. She feels beautiful. She feels like that deer or that elk that raises its horns high for all to see, all because of the Lord. Her joy in the Lord makes all of the negative words that her enemies hurl at her that we're going to look at here here in a minute just seem like faint whispers in in, in the background because the salvation that she receives from God is like a grand chorus that, that sings at the forefront of her heart. And that kind of exaltation, that joy in Jesus is contagious to everyone around her. And that's the way uh, when a mother exults this way in Jesus, it's contagious to those around her. However, we remember, as we remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we remember uh, that joy, it wasn't always visibly seen within Hannah's life. Uh, at, at, at the beginning of 1 Samuel, uh, in fact, we don't see Hannah joyful. We rather see the opposite. We see her in anguish. Remember with me from the story in 1 Samuel that, that Hannah, Hannah was barren. She wasn't able to have children. Uh, she was in a polygamous marriage in which the other wife of her husband could have children, but she was left childless. I want to direct your attention to chapter 1, starting in verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 of 1 Samuel. 
And her rival, that's Panina, if you read in the story, and her rival used to provoke her grievously, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. So the other wife of her husband, Panina here, would try to make Hannah feel worthless, like she had no value because she couldn't bear any children. And this grieved her, it says. It grieved her to her soul. It grieved her to her heart tremendously. She wanted to feel worthy. She wanted to feel like she was someone that was valuable, but she had voices constantly telling her from every angle that she was useless, that she was inept to fulfill her God-given function. And I think that it's interesting that Hannah's joy in the Lord we see from her prayer in chapter 2 uh, that we just read, it seems to be absent in, uh, in, in, in chapter 1. All she seems to know in chapter 1 is anguish, heartache, and pain. I think this helps us to see what we can learn from this is that godly mothers of faith are no strangers to pain, they're no strangers to heartache, and they're no strangers to anguish. Godly mothers of faith try their very best to juggle the hecticness of life between work and racing the kids to ball practice and trying to make sure everybody's fed and making sure the, the house is somewhat clean. It can be overwhelming. It, it, it can be stressful and, and, and feel like what they do is just never enough. Godly mothers of faith may stay awake at night worrying about their children, worrying about the decisions they're that they're going to make in life, decisions that might lead them down a wrong path. Godly mothers of faith may be in distress and, and, and wonder uh, if, if everything that they do for their families, everything that they do for their kids is good enough. Godly mothers, godly women of faith may be like Hannah, Wanting, wanting to have a child badly, but can't. And likewise, godly women of faith, godly mothers of faith may have lost their mother, their rock that they look to for wisdom and comfort and encouragement and gladness. Godly mothers of faith, what we see through Hannah, they're no strangers to anguish. They're no strangers to pain. They're no strangers to heartache. And Hannah knew that kind of anguish, the anguish that's involved with being a mother. But notice what she did. Notice what Hannah did in those times of anguish and pain. Look with me in verse 9 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. What does she do here? She retreats. She flees. She, she, she goes to the Lord. She takes her distress. She, she takes her pain, her heartache, her anguish, and hands it to the Lord. 
And what does the Lord do in this story? We know He shows her compassion and answers her prayer. Now, what does all this tell us? What does this show us? What does this teach us? This tells us that a mother's pain, her anguish, often leads her to pray a prayer that God longs to answer and work through in her life. Anguish can be a very good teacher for a mother. Maybe you're a mom and you're in some kind of anguish or pain or heartache. What I think we can learn and see from Hannah is that that anguish can bring us to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, where we will find a God who's meek and lowly and hard and looks upon you in your distress, in your anguish, in your heartache, with tender compassion to a degree that far exceeds the way that you look at your own children. That's the way that God looks at a godly mother of faith who's in anguish, who retreats to Him in those times. And like Hannah, when mothers retreat to the Lord in these periods of anguish, of distress, and heartache, joy will come. It will. Exaltation will come. And the effect of that joy from a faithful, godly mother, and that exaltation will ripple out in the most spectacular way into eternity through the lives of everyone around her. Godly mothers like Hannah exult in the Lord. Uh, a second thing that I think that we see from Hannah this morning, uh, look with me in verse 2 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. I want to read verses 2 through 8. We see a main, uh, a main central theme here uh, in this part of Hannah's prayer that's echoed all throughout the Bible, and I'll make mention of that here in a moment. Verse 2, it says, there is none, Hannah, Hannah prays and says, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk, more, no, talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry, they've ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. Pay attention to verse 7. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. And brings low, and he exalts, exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. The major theme in these verses is that God is seen as he is. God is seen as holy. His glory, His infinite majestic glory, it shines throughout all the earth through His actions of exalting the lowly poor in spirit. 
and shaming the proud and haughty. There's a similar idea in the eighth psalm. I'm going to read uh, the eighth psalm, just parts of it, verses 1, and then skipping to verses 3 through 4, and then in verse 9. Psalm 8, verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then skipping to verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And then verse 9 continues the theme, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Uh, One of the main themes and points of this psalm and in Hannah's prayer is that the Lord is seen as majestic and holy. The Lord is seen for who He is through His actions of lifting up the lowly and exalting them to a position of honor and glory. And we see this morning in our story that Hannah is a picture of one of those who humbles herself, who becomes poor in spirit, that the Lord exalts. Uh, We know in in the the cultural background of this story, the culture in which our story um, takes place told women in that day that, that their value, that their worth was mostly wrapped up in their ability to bear children, uh, to have children. Uh, The greater number of children that they could have, the more honor and uh, value that they would have in the eyes of the community. And that's why it was uh, was, um, almost seen as a curse from God for a woman to be barren, for a woman to not have that ability to bear children. And that's the ammunition that Panina uses against Hannah. Uh, it, and it doesn't matter where you live. It, does, it doesn't matter what culture you come from. All cultures like this culture of in, that we see within the Bible have standards and measures that determine someone's value and worth, ours included. Today, our culture says that a woman's value is determined by her physical beauty. If she looks like Taylor Swift, Our culture says that a woman's worth is visible by her stable and successful career. Our our culture may say that a woman can be confident if she proves to the world that she can do anything that a man can do. But it's always true that as we read the pages of Scripture that the one whom the Lord exalts is the one who rejects the culture's ideologies, the culture's standards, the culture's measurements that determine value and turn rather to Him to find worth, to find value. And that is what Hannah does. She flees to the Lord again and again throughout the story that we see in chapter 1. And when she prays for a child, when she yearns to have children, she's essentially saying, Lord, Make me worthy. Make me someone of value. She turns to God in utter desperation when seeking to fulfill the grand needs of her heart. And it's when she flees to the Lord, when she flees to the Lord to find value and worth, it it reveals, it reveals her humility. It reveals her desperation. She recognizes by fleeing to God that 
Uh, that, that only God can make her worthy. She realizes that only God can make her someone of value. Not herself, not her own abilities, not anything uh, that originates within her, but that originates within God. And it's because of that humility that God raises her up, that God exalts her. Now here's the point. Here's the point of all that. God exalts mothers like Hannah who go to him, who flee to him to find their worth, to find their value, not in what the culture says, not in the culture standards. And when they do, when they, when they humble themselves in spirit and flee to God as their source, their rock, their foundation of self-esteem, then God's glory shines through them in the most peculiar and spectacular way. Remember the Proverbs 31 woman in Proverbs 31 verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Things that the culture says may determine someone's value and worth, but the rest of the passage says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Mothers, moms, you have the potential of showcasing a very unique kind of influential power that is directly at your fingertips. And, and, and I, I know this uh, because I myself have been a recipient of that power by multiple godly women and mothers within my own life. When you humble yourself and make the Lord the source of your confidence, the source of your value and worth, then the God-honoring influence that spread to others through you reaches farther than you could ever possibly imagine. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who makes his name known through those that humble themselves and flee to them as their source of strength. Godly mothers exalt the Lord when they flee to him and find their value in him. Lastly, this morning, as we close very briefly, look with me in verse 9, verse 9 and 10 of 1 Samuel chapter 2. Verse 9 says in 1 Samuel 2, Hannah prays and says, He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces against them. He will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Hannah here, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recognizes that God will establish a king uh, and, and, and give strength to that king, even before, the, even before there was a monarchy in, um, in, in the land of Israel. And she's fully confident in this. She fully expects, she, she's fully convinced that God is working in the world, that he guards the feet of of his faithful ones and will accomplish something amazing. And it's when a mother displays that kind of faith, that kind of trust in the Lord, that kind of confidence in God that fully expects him to do something wonderful in her life and the lives of those around her. 
It's in those times when it causes people's heads to turn, to take notice, to be influenced by. And it's when that influential power is set ablaze and reaches so many people. And personally, I think that's one of the reasons why God places this story here at the beginning of Israel's monarchy, here at the pivotal moment, here at, here at a pivotal turn of, of, uh, of, of salvation history, of the, of the scheme of redemption here, to show what the faith of a humble mother can do and how God can use her to accomplish something amazing. Mothers, this morning, you're so very special to us, and we want to know that we love you. We want to know that we appreciate um, you, uh, and we want to encourage you uh, to be a woman of faith like Hannah, to embrace uh, her prayer and make that the song of your heart, because when you do, that influential power uh, reaches out to so many people. Uh, this morning, if uh, there's anything that we can pray with you for or about, um, or if uh, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're lost this morning, you have an opportunity to come to Him, to know Him, to believe in Him, to repent of your sins, to confess faith in Him, and to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come forward as we stand and as we sing.